And one thing I had a problem with reading Collins and others, even uh, um, Dobson, to an extent, um, is the whole issue of self-esteem. And um, in those books I read about self-esteem and I thought to myself, but wait a minute, I'm doing a BCom degree at university and I'm also learning about self-esteem in psychology. And it sounded so similar. And um, to be honest with you, I, I struggled with that and, and I'm, I'm glad I, I got rid of the book. I don't know where it is, by the way. Um, because I always believed from a young age in my, in my Christian walk that my identity was found in Jesus Christ alone, and I didn't really have problems with self-esteem, but they spoke about it as if it was a real problem. And so we've progressed. So um, Denver's taken us through psychology. We spoke about that. We spoke about the Christian counseling. And then the monothetic or otherwise known as biblical counseling, I know there might be um, nuances around that, um, uh, around those titles and, and words we're using there, but let's stick to biblical counseling for now. It does have an authentic approach. Um, this approach is fully on Scripture, fully uh, basing our lives and our teaching and our counseling on Scripture. And people like Jay Adams, Mac, uh, Wayne Mac, um, and a close friend of mine, John MacArthur, and then Heath Lambert, John Street. Um, I'm getting to know them also, by the way. So... Um, uh, you get to know them because if your elders ask you to do this uh, kind of teaching, you have to dig yourself into the books. So those are the books we've been, we've been consulting. God is central. And see the huge difference. Man is central. God is central. Um, and then we learned that it's, it's all about admonishing. Um, and the main uh, approaches there is confrontation, concern, change. I'm not going to go into that, but we've, we've touched on that. So again, you see clearly man is responsible for what he does. Um, man is not responsible for what he does in psychology, whereas God says man is responsible. He's a sinner, and he and she needs to change, and the only way to change is through Scripture and the teaching of the gospel and the teaches that only Jesus Christ can change our lives and make us new. So those are the, those are the main things that we have learned and so it brings us closer to where we're talking about the qualifications. We spoke about nathetic counseling, what it is not and what it is. Again, just quickly for you, it's not an autonomous ministry. It's not reserved for experts. Again, that one is so important because whenever I listen to Street and, I, and Lambert and, and so many others, they keep referring to this issue about how Christians still think, even up till today, that the whole issue of dealing with the soul, with our problems with mankind, we have to run to experts. And these are experts who study um, in the secular world. And then we read what it is. It's admonishing and warning. It's instruction. Sorry. Um, did I go too far now? I told you I'm not good at these things. Um, admonishing, warning, um, God wants to, um, wants to change us. He wants us to become holy like Him. He wants us to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Um, the use of Scripture through the work of the Holy Spirit. And the goal of sanctification of the believer is obviously what God desires for us to His glory. 
Why do we fail to counsel? Some of you said this last week, um, and as clever as I am, I took note of it, and so I used it in my presentation to help me. Because we think it's exclusive to professionals, we've been misled by society and psychology, because of the fear of man, and yet the Bible says we should be pleasing God rather than pleasing men. Remember, there's a judgment seat of Christ coming, and so we do things in the fear of the Lord because we love Him and we want to please Him. Lack of interest and effort, this is a big one because I guess, and we'll come to that, I guess people, either they are ignorant and don't know or they just think, even pastors and elders, just think it's too arduous a task and therefore, well, just push it onto the back burner and there's really no interest. But when you think of the Apostle Paul and the effort he's put in, you remember in Acts 20, 29 to 31, he spoke about his great effort, how that night and day for a period of three years, he was teaching them, warning them, admonishing them, the believers. And that's an example for us to follow. Lack of biblical knowledge, of course, we'll touch on that. And we'll see how we answer all of these, um, these queries um, or otherwise these fears and failures in terms of our counseling. Truth and virtue are key qualities, biblical knowledge and concern for others. I think there was somebody who said, if I only have knowledge and I don't have virtue and I'm not very kind and very good with people, can I get somebody else to join me? Um, Can that person just raise her hand, please, so that we know who you are? Um, I think she's run away. Yeah, she's, she's run away. That's a good question nonetheless, but we're looking for... We, we're looking for that. God is looking for that. We want biblical knowledge, but we also want people to, um, to um, be able to relate uh, not only to the Scripture, but to the, to the problems that's being presented. Lack of walking um, in sanctification. Um, can I just pause there for a moment? Lack of walking in sanctification as I challenge my own heart in this regard. The ultimate purpose of and goal, obviously, is Christ-likeness. And I think what happens in our lives, why we don't counsel, is because we are not being sanctified daily. It's the direction of our lives. We know it should be. God desires that of us. We are commanded of that, to do that, to, to be sanctified. And it's a challenge, and we need, to, we need to continuously pray for God's grace in that regard. So let's talk about the sufficiency of Scripture, and we'll touch on this also very briefly. But I think it's so important to to just pause here for a moment, because I don't know if we're convinced about the sufficiency of Scripture. I think we're convinced about the authority of Scripture. I think we're convinced about its inerrancy. But sometimes I don't think Christians are convinced that it's sufficient, that everything that God says in His Word is for our benefit, and we don't need anything else. His Word is sufficient. So I think um, I don't want to go down that uh, um, pathway, because that was better explained by, uh, by the elders in the, in the past discussion, where there are people who object to the sufficiency because they believe that 
the Bible doesn't cover everything. And I think we've agreed that the Bible doesn't have to cover everything. The Bible doesn't have to explain to us how to tie our shoelaces. The point of departure is incorrect when people think that when they talk about the sufficiency of Scripture, they look from their perspective at God. When we talk about the sufficiency of Scripture, we are talking about what God says to us. And every word that He says is sufficient on every topic that He believes we should know about. And that's important to remember. So just some categories. I think you've, you've already read it and you've got it in your heads. Um, God didn't say everything all at one time. We know that. Even Timothy um, had the Old Testament scriptures at, at one stage until the canon was completed, um, etc. There are some areas or some scriptures that beautifully brings out the sufficiency of scripture. We don't have the time to go into it, but I remind you of these three key ones because they are so wonderfully uh, um, presented to us in Scripture, Second Timothy chapter 3, and we know that all Scripture has been God-breathed. It is profitable for teaching. It is profitable for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. Um, by teaching, we mean the imparting of biblical truth, um, etc. Ultimately, that the man of God be adequate, equipped for every good work. All that God requires of us to be done for God's glory, Scripture will get us there. God's Word will transform the life of the man of God. Psalm 19, wonderful psalm. I'll leave the, um, the exegesis and all of that to the, to the elders into the future. Beautiful psalm. Um, these descriptions, these effects, you tell me how is the Bible, how is the law of the Lord, which is perfect, how is it insufficient to revive the soul? The psalmist says it revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And you go through each one of that, and if you spend time just meditating on that, you cannot come away unconvinced of the sufficiency of Scripture. And it's so beautifully put because Psalm, the psalmist brings it, David brings it out in, in a different way, um, but all pointing to the sufficiency of Scripture. Um, so I tried to do some work on, 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 on Psalm 19. Uh, the first part is about mankind. Um, to mankind, um, God talks about His world. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, etc., and the second part has to, be, has to do with a focus on the Word of God, special revelation. Pity we can't spend too much time on that. And then the sufficiency of Scripture, Second Peter chapter 1. And throughout this portion of Scripture, I know we, rush to, we normally rush to verse 16 to 21, where P Peter makes those statements, and he makes even a bigger statement that God is even a greater witness um, because of Scripture and because God has moved those people along, the apostles along, so that they could write Scripture, which we have in our hands today. But there's some interesting points, and I think we've read this before about life and goodness in verse 3 and in verse 5. 
And I think what Peter's trying to tell us is, here's the reason why we need counseling, because sometimes we are useless and we are unfruitful. So I'm intentionally pausing there because I want you to think of your life, maybe in the past, but forget the past. Let's think of right now. Useless or unfruitful? If you feel, if you know you are useless and unfruitful, then you need counseling. The summary of the sufficiency of Scripture for the counseling, it's only through the knowledge of Scripture and the application thereof as authoritative in our lives that we can change. We've got to use Scripture to diagnose every problem and seek its answers. From that, if the Bible is sufficient for us and for the counselor, then surely we should be focused on and been studying the Bible and giving attention to this in greater detail. This is a huge challenge for all of us, I know. I think some, some people have the wrong idea of Bible study. They again think it's only for the experts and they, only, they think it's only for those who um, appear to be clever and brainy. It's for every one of us. We need to get our, the- our theology right our epistemology right, our anthropology right, etc., etc. Because how will we, if we don't know anything about the doctrine of sin in Scripture, as Scripture presents it to us, how will we help each other? How will we counsel each other? It's impossible. We don't know Scripture. The challenge is, if Scripture is sufficient, if it's authoritative, then it must be studied. We must give attention to it. We must study it. What hope will we give to anybody? What hope will we give to each other if we don't know the doctrine of Christ? And if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit? And if we don't enjoy the wonderful blessing of being part of God's church? Christ's church, Christ's body. And in its local context, we are here at Alleg BC. So I hope that has at least whet your appetite to know where we've come on this journey in terms of our study. I hope we realize at least two things. Number one, let's not turn to the world to give us advice on anything that pertains to our souls. Let's believe not only in the authority of God's word, its inerrancy, but also in its sufficiency. And let us then commit ourselves to the study of God's word. I think just, uh, I'll take 30 seconds um, um, on this, if the elders will allow me just to, uh, just to um, advertise. There is a thing, if you want to, bit more serious study, and we don't underestimate your own individual studies, of course, uh, but there's a, there's a BBI um, where some of us study, and we, we spend some time there. I would encourage younger men um, to, to really get involved. 
when you do get to when you do get to my age, then it becomes a bit tougher um, to study, to put your head down, to sit throughout the night and do assignments, etc. Um, while you are young, I encourage you to give your life to the study of God's word. Um, and if you're at LHBC and you want to stay at LHBC, um, you can buckle up because I think it's only going to intensify. Um, and do I get a nod from the elders? Uh, I see there's a nod there coming from the elders. Um, it's going to intensify, and I've felt it over this past four years how things have intensified and the commitment that um, the elders and the church has here to the Word of God. Qualifications, quickly. As you can see, I'm pushing for the time, closer to the time, so that I don't entertain any questions and answers. But just quickly. So last week when we were in the FAF group, um, um, uh, Pastor Peter, Pastor Bine, was, was, was leading that discussion for us. And he asked, he started the session um, and with a very potent question. If I uh, understood him correctly, but I'm just uh, paraphrasing, if I remember correctly, sorry. He asked us in that group, he asked us, do we know what salvation is? Are we saved? And can you please tell me what the gospel is? Easy question? Tough to answer sometimes, isn't it? When you're asked very simple questions, tough to answer. The qualifications of a counselor is not what Sigmund Freud and others have said. The qualification to be an, a counselor, you first need to be saved. You need to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be a counselor. You cannot touch God's word and give any advice or any guidance for anybody. You need to be a believer. Ephesians 2 speaks about it. Romans 5 speaks about it. You need to be a believer. Secondly, and this might be a bit controversial, I don't know, you need to be a believer who's living a sanctified life. Again, that is not perfection. That is your direction as you're maturing in Christ day by day. It does, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. In fact, all of us know our sinfulness before Him on a day-to-day -day basis. But surely if we are maturing as Christians, then we hate sin more and more. We repent quicker and quicker. And we don't tolerate sin in our lives as soon as we become aware of it. Sanctification is a very important, is a very important aspect of being a counselor. Because how do you help someone if you're not living the life that God desires of you? How do you go to somebody or how is it when somebody comes to you for advice and for helping troubled times? Can't go through all those scriptures, but there are many there. I call this the believer, the church members, because I believe that counseling shouldn't be done in some sort of a vacuum. It should emanate, it should grow out of the local church. And I'm so glad that the elders have decided to do this teaching because this is where it should 
start. It originates here, and it should be amongst us before we go anywhere else. I know that there are parachurch or institutions, etc., that assist the church um, in terms of training elders, etc., and lay, or, as known as lay uh, persons, um, in, in counseling. But it must start in the local church. And the Bible says that all Christians are responsible. All Christians are responsible. If you're a believer and you're living a sanctified life, then it has become your responsibility and my responsibility to counsel each other. Can we just turn to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1? And we'll just do from verse 1 to verse 3. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 3. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing... He deceives himself. This scripture and some others like Romans 15 does point us to the fact that if you're a believer, then it's your responsibility to participate and help each other, admonish and counsel each other. But I think Galatians chapter 6 adds the, the aspect that those of you who are spiritual should restore those who are not spiritual, who are struggling, who are burdened, who have been caught either by, by um, entrapment or suddenly have been caught up in a transgression or a sin, it is you who go to and go and help others. And how do you do it? You do it in a spirit of gentleness. It's not a boastful experience. It's not that you get involved in people's uh, business and be a busybody. Um, I know in my Christian life, I found out that um, some people um, sadly have, have um, abused the fact that they are Christians and they were busybody in other people's lives and they found out certain things by, through investigation only to, at the end of the day, hurt the person. That is not the intention of counseling. It's not to hurt anybody. It's not to be boastful. It's not to celebrate your self-righteousness. It's to help the next brother and the next sister. And it's to do it in a spirit of gentleness. And it's that word that um, the Bible used there is the word to restore. It's to put back. And it has, I believe, um, a, 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 a... a connotation of, of um, a medical connotation to it in the Greek. That of restoring, of setting a broken bone in place, setting something dislocated into place, and that is to heal. For those of you who, um, who laughed, um, and I'm going to mention names now, who laughed when I dislocated my toe, um, <laughs> you remember that time I dislocated my toe, it was a painful experience. But fortunately, I found 
not a counselor. I found a, a medical doctor um, who then took me through a little bit more pain, but to fix that, to take the dislocation and put it back into place so that I could walk today and, uh, and, and be a church today. She did it. I hope so. She did it because she cared. She did it because she wanted to be part of the healing process. She did it because she was hoping that Hilton, one day you'd walk again. In a normal way, of course. (laughs) That is what must be on our hearts and minds when we deal with each other. It's not busybody. It's not to hurt. And I stress that because so easily we can be, we can be fooled um, in the way we go about things. It's also about the issue about, do I, do I just dump scripture on people? So if you come to me, or I find that there's a fault in you or a transgression in you, and I go to you, do I just dump scripture on you and say, oh, well, I found some scripture for this particular problem. Let me just give it to him. We believe that counseling is not that confrontation that uh, J. Adams speaks about is not about fighting. It's not about causing problems in the life of the other person. It should be done with care and concern, with loving your heart for the benefit of the other person. So for me, Galatians is so important that um, verse 6, I know some, there's some different interpretation on Galatians, but I believe it does refer to the person who is spiritual to get involved. And ultimately, of course, we, we encourage one another, we grow one another. Why I say the local church? Because it's the elder's responsibility to teach, it's the elder's responsibility to instruct and to encourage But at the same time, it is incumbent on each one of us. It's incumbent on each one of us. I believe something's happening here in front. Yeah, I'm not sure what the... Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. It's incumbent on each one of us to ensure that we participate in counseling with helping one another. The leadership of the church, of course, it's their responsibility. Acts 20, 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, and even through Titus chapter 2 and verse 1. Some of the recommendations um, that, I've, that I've come across, Shepherding God's Flock by J. Adams, and he's written a host of other books that's very useful, um, and then the others by Lambert, um, etc., John Street, and, and Mac. So how do you qualify? You're a believer. You're a sanctified believer. You do your counseling as it emanates from the local church, and you get involved in programs that the local church is involved. And obviously, there are other institutions that help and give guidance in this regard. I'm going to pause there um, for for any questions at, um, at this juncture. Um, if you disagree with me on those qualifications, um, then uh, let me know. I do believe that there are institutions around from NANC. Um, I know uh, MAC has also 
started something in, um, in South Africa already, an institution, and these institutions does come alongside the church, helps the church, helps with training programs, etc. We've started our training program through the elders in this particular church who are qualified also to teach that. So let's take some questions at this point in time, and then I'll, in obedience to those who were waving at the back, I will take some water. Is that what you were telling me to do? Thanks. I thought it's only for the elders. Yeah. It couldn't have been that clear. And obviously somebody's got to disagree with something I've said. Or otherwise just comment on that. And um, We'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, thank you. <laughs> there was an end that, yeah.
Yeah, so just your first part, um, it's not necessarily the case. Um, the, the logic doesn't necessarily work that way. Um, uh, we know lots of Christians who um, are integrationists, but they still believe that God's word is authoritative to the extent that they would um, use God's word. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't believe that, um, that part. And um, I know in my discussions with, with Lambert and Street um, and so on, um, they have clearly stated, um, and, and, and they're talking about experience of 30 years, etc., and so on, and they're saying over those years they've met up with a lot of good Christians, a lot of great people who's committed to the Word of God, believe in its authority, but still struggle with the, with the idea of how we're going to apply the sufficiency of Scripture in a counseling context. They still struggle with that. Um, I don't know if Denver mentioned also, um, as he mentioned before, that when we talk about counseling, why we don't see it as something separate because it's part of discipleship. Um, and so discipleship belongs in the, in the local church. You can't disciple outside. Now, there might be exceptional cases where you find individuals and you, and you talk to them, but the idea is to bring that individual into the church or find a church for them so that they can be discipled. That's the only way you get discipled, and God's given us not only the Bible for us to enjoy individually, but for us to come together as a body like this and... Um, and um, live together in harmony and helping each other in our walk with, with God, but also to praise and worship Him when we get together. So um, I don't know if I answered your second question, but maybe, maybe Denver wants to. Good point about the limitation. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end here because um, I don't have those liberties to go over time. So I'm going to end here, but in my last point that I just want to make is, is yeah, two minutes now. It will, it will last one minute. Just to say this. So this is where we are now, and Denver mentioned that from here we're then going to more practical application. And so 
um, we'll, we'll then show um, how that for different problem cases, um, how scriptures are used for anger, for example, depression, etc., etc., and we'll show how the Bible um, is used to address all of those problems, all of life's problems. And it's amazing that the more you dig into Scripture, isn't it just amazing? You find out, how is it that I didn't know this before? How is it that I didn't know that God does deal with this issue? And hence, my last point, I remind you the importance of studying the Word of God, which is all that we have. Thank you. Okay.